Hi, everybody. This is Bob Olson with Afterlife TV. We're at AfterlifeTV.com, and we're here once again. We are honored with the presence to, have, to be able to interview this celebrity medium, James Van Prague, once again. He has a great sense of humor. I love interviewing you. Excellent answers. Thanks so much for coming back, James. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. I feel like I've been with you the whole day. It's, I, it's pretty amazing. So, I know. Thank it's you very much. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Well, anyways, we always have fun when we get together. Today we are going to talk about are your loved ones in spirit trying to tell you something? We're going we're gonna, to gonna allow this to go in any direction that it wants to go today. And I, I have a feeling it might, it might fall some interesting directions. But first of all, you know, I'll just ask you the silly question. Are our loved ones in spirit trying to contact us, James? Yes. Um, more than likely they are, Bob. Yes. Okay. Um, and, so and I should let people know that, <laughs> that everybody who, who passes out of the physical body, um, they all attend their own funerals, their own memorial services, always. And it seems like um, the men will often um, be aware of who's paying what. And um, I've been through um, funerals or wakes, I should say, where they've actually looked at their body and they'd say, oh, why had that darn makeup on me? I look like a sissy. Why am I wearing that makeup? Why did they put that on me? And where the, the woman might say, oh, why did they put me in that darn dress? I hated that dress when I was alive, and now they put me in that in the casket. Had that happen a lot. And everybody visits their own memorial services or funerals, for sure. My dad came to me at his wake, and it was funny because I was talking to my principal, my principal, and she was a nun. And when I was a little boy, I went to a Catholic school. Oh, yeah. And that principal with the you know the penguin outfit on the whatever they call it. <laughs> yes, being, I'm very, habit, habit. very sacrilegious. Don't mean that. <laughs> Don't mean to offend anybody. But um, it was funny because um, oh my gosh, it was like 40 years after this lady was dead, and I'm, I'm talking to him like I can't. As I'm speaking with her, I'm saying I can't believe she's still around. Is she still around? Is she, what is my? And as she's I'm speaking to her, my father comes behind me in a spirit form, and he said, "Thanks for putting my teeth in. I look pretty good." And we were just two hours earlier looking down at his body saying, wow, we put his teeth in, we're glad because he really looks great. Wow, that's... How often do people do that? Look down at bodies and say, oh, they look really good now. <laughs> just so sick. It's like, oh, yeah. Now, that's amazing. Now, a lot of mediums say they have trouble connecting with their loved ones in spirit soon after their, uh, soon after their passing. Uh, you were able to do that with your dad. Oh, yeah, right away. Um, I, I have a hard time now bringing through my own personal mother and father, and um, I, I can't. If I want to, I, I can't do that. Yeah. And I think most mediums can't do that. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because you're so involved and you can't discern between the two. Yeah. I can bring them through for my siblings, but I can't bring them through for me personally. But um, with my father, the experience was pretty amazing, pretty profound. Um, he was in a coma, and he was getting ready to pass on, and the doctor said by 12 o'clock at night he'll be gone. And... Um, we all gathered around the bed and we said, Dad, it's okay to go, it's okay to go. And he said to me telepathically, he said to me telepathically, he said, I'm not going until you all decide not to fight over my house. Oh, wow. Not, not to fight over the house. Yeah. And I, looked, I said, he, was, he said, don't fight over the house. Now, we decided, no, we will not fight over your house. And once I let him know, we will not fight over the house, you have our promise, we won't fight over our house, do not worry. And um, he left. Oh. He left three hours before the 12 o'clock. The doctor was shocked. Now, when he was communicating with me, he was communicating with me above his head. The energy of my father was outside his body, and it was above his head area. And I find that most people who are in comas, in dementia, 
they're of course they're a step out of the body. They're usually out of the body, very yeah. close to the body, still attached to the body, but also right over the body or aside to the body. And that's very, very true. And many people will witness a, a, a sense of vapor when the, when the final uh, exit. There'll be a vapor rising out of the body, and they'll see that, and that's the spirit leaving the body. A lot of people experience that. My father immediately said to me, oh, my gosh, you got it right. Now, my father was a born a skeptic, a cynic, a skeptic, didn't believe in what I did. He didn't know what it was, but he certainly didn't believe in it. Yeah. He watched my television every single day. He was very proud of me, but didn't necessarily believe in it. And I don't know what his belief system was, but as soon as he passed out of that body and to the other side of life, the first, one of the first things he said within 20 minutes of his passing was, oh my gosh, you got it right. I'm alive. I've seen your mother. She gave me a brand new tan suit and I have a bunch of new shoes. And oh my goodness, I met a sister I didn't even know I had. And then we found out, we did research and found out that his mother had a miscarriage. Oh my before goodness. He That's amazing. It's amazing. And for three days after that, I was like doing automatic writing, writing things down from him that he was discovering on the other side. And he was that type of person. He would be very much a detective trying to figure things out. And he was giving me all these information. I, I have a file full of the things he talked about, who he met when he first passed over, what the uh, conditions were like when he passed over, the atmosphere, how he was felt like um, the earth was, um, uh, what do you say, uh, quicksand. He said, you know, being in the earth, it's like quicksand. It pulls you down and you feel so heavy. And then you leave and you're free of it all. You're free of the quicksand, he said. Oh, wow. So very interesting. That really is interesting stuff. Boy, mm -hmm. uh, someday yeah. you're going to put that in the book, all that stuff? I, I, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. It's, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Now, when you say this, I just want to say, you know, before we move on, even though you have this great experience where you can communicate with your dad, mm -hmm. um, I think some people are under the mis, uh, misperception that mediums don't grieve because they have this ability to communicate with spirit. You still grieved his physical loss, his companionship, those sorts of things. Do, did you not? Of course, because I'm a human being. As human yeah. beings, we have to go through that grief process. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Uh, uh, very, very much so. Um, I'm more aware, so I know that he lives on, that mm. there is no death, that he's yeah. just changed. Form. Right, but sure, that's that physical part that you miss, and everybody, every human being has that. That you miss the physicality of it. Yeah. At the same time, saying that, I'm very, very happy where he's at right now, and I remember my mother when she was passing. She was had a stroke, and she was um, an invalid for ten years in a bed, couldn't oh. walk, eat, couldn't speak, and I used to pray. I used to pr pray that she would leave the body. I said, please, please, let her go, let her go, let her yeah. go. She could only go when it was destined for her to go. When it was her time for her to leave, she went. I could have done the best I could with prayer, but you know what? I do believe we come in at a certain time and we leave at a certain time. Yeah. I think you know everything that I think is predestined when we leave. Even Bob, this might sound weird. Even when someone is killed, I do sometimes think that's predestined. Yeah. Do I think someone's free will is involved sometimes? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be either one. I think if someone goes to an ATM machine and some guy decides to hold them up and shoot them right there, and that wasn't in the plans, that was not, as I say, in the cards, that now they've created what's called karma because um, you interrupted that person's destiny. You know, you, and now you have set up a karmic condition with that other person. Mm -hmm. You'll have to live through it another time. Yeah. So I do believe there's, there's a time to be born, a time to die, but I do believe there's sometimes someone else's free will impinges upon your free will. Hmm. Interesting. Well... With that said, I think the next question, and 
because I've heard a lot of similarities in messages that come through um, when someone, you know, immediately crosses over and they're trying to contact their loved ones here. Yeah. There's usually a s certain things that they want to say. What are some of the most common messages that, that tend to come through you as a medium that, that you know that teaches you that this is what they want their loved ones here on the, on the physical plane to know? Right. Good question, first of all. Very good question. Um, they want us to, number one, there's, some, there's five death. There's no death. They're not dead. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. They want them to know that they will go to that person all the time right after, right after they die. And they'll go, well, I'm not dead. They'll try to whisper at them. They'll try to shove them, push them. They'll try anything they can to let them know they're still alive. Very, very much like the movie Ghost, where Patrick uh, Swayze was trying to get through to Demi Moore. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. He was trying any ways he could to get it through to her that he was alive. Now, it's so funny because it's like a bull in a china shop sometimes. They try so hard. But it does seem that it's a very subtle, subtle energy. It's the subtle things, whether it's a whisper, whether it's a blowing on them, whether it's a scent, they can project a scent, mm. uh, whether it's a song they hear. These are the subtle ways that spirits get through to their loved ones to let them know that they're fine. Right. They want, never want, want to let them know they're fine, that there's no death, that they're very alive. The other thing I find a lot is they want that person to move on with their life mm. Mm. because there's some important things going on for that other person and they have to get in, involved in life. If they spend a lot of their time grieving this person, the other person's not going to be involved in their life and they might miss out on certain opportunities. Sure, sure. Well, that's interesting. And how about, like, I know a lot of people wonder uh, if it's okay for them to, to remarry. Is this... Sure. I mean... Sure. Has, have you ever heard anybody say no? <laughs> I have had experiences where um, uh, being a husband or a wife passed over, and I, I've had so many of these, where the husband lets him come through to his, his wife and say, you know, I'm going to help you find a new mate. Ah. And the wife says, no way, I wouldn't want to. He's the only one in my life I ever want to be married to. I'll never find anybody as good as him. That'll never happen. Yeah. Years later, five years later, they come up to me at some event and say, you know, you brought through my husband and said, I'm going to find somebody. Well, and this is my new husband. I want to introduce you to him. Um, it seems that spirits want the best for us, whatever that might be. They want the best for us, yeah. and they will do the best they can. Um, I've also found people that have been together, let's say, 78, 70 years. They've been married 75 years. One of them passes over, and um, uh, then the other one passes over, and then the child comes to see me for reading, and I bring through the mother, and I say, you know, they're not together. Well, why would they be together? They lived together for 75 years. They've got to be together. Right. No, they're not together. Your mother's in a very different place than your father is. She, she's at a different level than he is, and they're okay with that. They can see each other, but they're learning in different places. They're living right. in different places. Right, so right. Just because people, two souls have come together for that many years doesn't mean that they've spent eternity together. Sure. They don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of people looking at this very happy. I just told them that. Yeah, well... <laughs> No, you know, I, I've always known that Melissa will be at a higher, vibrating at a higher <laughs> frequency than me. There's no question in my mind about oh, that. Oh, Bob, come on, really? Well, she does it here, so I assume she's going to do it there. Um, how soon after uh, someone's passing, you know, typically, will they attempt these after-death communications? It's a very good question, and the answer I can give you is um, not an easy one, because I've had both situations. Depending on... And usually I, I answer it this way by saying, depending on the type of death, 
the situation that happened, the conditions of the death, whether it be someone who was um, the prana, the energy of life was dragged out, pulled out of them mm. through the illness, like cancer or AIDS or something that really debilitated the body. It really pulled at the energy. There was no energy left for that soul. It seems to me that that there would be a tendency for that spirit to want to, to have a longer adjustment period or um, a, a period where they have to um, recharge, if you will, to bring back the prana, the energy of life. I have many of those, many of the souls have told me that when they pass over to the other side, there's a sort of hospital, not a hospital like we would know, but one of the spirit, one where they rejuvenate, recharge that energy, that prana of life, and bring them back to completedness, to wholeness. And that takes, earth time could be several months, yeah? Um, I've also, though, have done a reading for somebody. It was a gentleman in his many, many years ago, and um, his partner uh, had passed over on a Thursday of AIDS, HIV. He passed over on a Thursday, and this was a Saturday night, and he came through. Oh, yeah. And talked about the, the lighting on the sidewalk in front of their house, that they were just redoing it the week before, and one, they couldn't get two of the bulbs to work. And um, sure enough, he said that just happened last week, and he just died this past Thursday. So he came through like that. So yeah. it all depends. I mean, and, and someone who passed away with a heart attack is much easier and faster to come through than someone that died of, you know, of a, a long illness. It, it's just yeah. it's different. Yeah. Um, it's it's all different. So I don't think there's any one way, but I'll just tell you the tendency is depending on the conditions of the death. Yeah, and I hear a lot of people in this field, especially mediums, you know, talk about waiting a certain amount of time before you go see a medium one yes. reason could be that but the other reason probably has more to do with the person's grief their level of grief would you agree with that or what I, parts of it I, I, I tell people listen if you want to come see me there's got to be like a three-month wait okay because I believe that even though the person the spirit might have passed quickly maybe mm -hmm. it was very fast and they're okay I want to respect that spirit enough to give them an adjustment period to acclimate themselves to the new conditions of life that they have now. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I feel bad about pulling them back down to this dimension, down to this three dimensional heavy world where they have to deal with this heavy earth energy, this dimension. I want them to be very prepared, very adjusted, very acclimated to the new conditions that they have in that life before they come back here. I think it's only, I don't know, for me personally, I think it's out of respect to the spirit. As far as a living person going goes, I think that they have to realize that um, that there is an adjustment period for the living and the dead, that, that for themselves as well. Maybe a grieving period. It's it's also harder because um, when that person just passes over, the ones left behind are in the heavy grief, heavy, 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 heavy grief. So when you think about it, the spirit, not only has to come back and deal with the heaviness of the earth and the density of this dimension, but then also have to deal with the heaviness of the grief affecting their loved one. Not too pretty. For those people, for those spirits, so yeah. you know, it's very, very difficult. So I, w I agree with that. I think, uh, um, I think it's, it's respectful for a wait a little bit adjustment period. I do. That's neat. And 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 what I love about that is you're still you're you're just treating them like people. You're just treating them like you would treat anybody here. Someone's been through something traumatic, you know, some something major in their lives. Give them some time to go get over that. Even though. And this is where it gets a little confusing, you know, even though there's no time or space or whatever up there, uh, that's, I think, why you probably use the word the adjustment period. You're not really inferring time, but there's, you know, maybe whatever it is that they're dealing with in terms of time 
is 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 what we would experience as linear time, right? Right, right. And you have to realize that there's a, a mind, certain mindset that they're also dealing with. So, for instance, if somebody passes up with a drug addiction and with an overdose, mm. that that mindset is still very, very real mm. because those memories are very, very real. They're now in a world, they're now in a dimension where those thoughts are real things. Yeah. And those addictions continue on. So in their mind, they'll still think of the addiction. They'll still think of that way, that mindset of being. Um, and even if it's a depression, they'll still have that because that's who they think they are. Yeah. And it might take a little bit for them to realize whether it's through their, their guides and elders or family members that have passed over to help them to realize the new world that they're in, the new space that they're in, the new mindset that they're in. Yeah. That they're no, they no longer need drugs. They no longer need those physical things that make up who they think they are or who they were. Mm. So they're beyond that. But it's so funny because many, many times I brought through spirits who still hold on to those addictions, whether it's you know alcohol or drugs or, or money, whatever it might be. And many of them think that's that's their life. That's real. So there is an adjustment period. There is an act, you know, acclimate yourself to the higher forms of life, the higher ways of life, not the earthly things. Yeah. So there's okay. That. Well, it's interesting in in saying that. Again, you know, the subject here are are your loved ones in spirit trying to tell you something. Do they do they try to tell you things about like you know fix the washing machine or you know pay the rent or what you know they? Oh do sure. They, do they? It's it's fascinating to me that they would be so. Uh, concerned about these very physical things. Yeah, you know, I. It's, it's very interesting. But the messages I get through sometimes, I used to say I must have a guide who was a mechanic because I would get through all this information sometimes about bearings and wheels and electronics. <laughs> I don't know a thing about cars. It's like this wire here, and you got to redo this wire here. And sure enough, the father uh, who comes through was a mechanic or, or was someone who loved cars yeah. and he'd talk about that. Or uh, many times, let's say a husband comes through for his wife. And they'll discuss fixing the roof or, you know, that hole in the roof where there's a, a part of the floor which just goes down and was trying to fix that before he died. He really, they'll, they'll look out for us. They'll continue looking out for us. Just because they left the body doesn't mean they still have the same concerns that they had on the earth. They still have the same exact concerns that they had here. And because they love us so much, they're going to look out for us with these things. Yeah. I also got to tell you that people often say, well, you know, um, whether it's the skeptics or certain people don't believe, say, you bring, you know, mediums bring through these, these innate stupid details about things. Well, you know what? If I know that um, if the spirit comes through and said, you know what, you just changed my picture frame from this black, this little black frame to this ornate thing with hearts all around it, yeah. that might sound very trivial, but the person that did that, that's pretty specific, and no one would know that. So those little things actually add up to a lot. I, I certainly have found it's. It seems like the most mundane, but but specific things that are the most profound um, when someone's getting a reading, and and that's really what can br cross cross them over that threshold of skepticism to to really even a knowing you know not just a believing but a knowing there's no way that this stranger could possibly have known this you know listen i remember one of the ones bob which blew me away and i always get blown away by this stuff too because it's brand new to me as well when a son came through and spoke to his mother and he, as projected into my mind's eye the house and i'm walking through this house like a tour and i went into the living room and i turned to the right and on the refrigerator is a pad and he actually gave me what was written on that pad. And I told it to the mother. And she said, oh, my God, yes, that is, those are the words. That's the phrase that are on that pad. I just wrote it this morning on that pad. Now, again, someone like that's mundane. But that's pretty specific. No and that's yeah. pretty, 
amazing. Yeah, so. to me, I mean, that's what it's all about. Because if anybody's dealing with any level of skepticism at all, they're looking for evidence. That's evidence. That's what that's we want. And then once you've delivered evidence like that, that again, and I love it because this is they always use the same phrase. He couldn't have known that. He's telling, told me things he couldn't have known. When you bring forth that kind of evidence, then when you bring through the more vague messages like I love you, I forgive you, I, you know, those kinds of messages, it's okay because we, now we know that you're communicating with our loved one in spirit. That's right. We've established the validation. We've established the truth. We've established that they, this is them communicating for sure. Yeah. It's funny you talk about skepticism. Yeah, well, it is, isn't it? Because uh, that is something that I think of as, you know, one of the things that gets in the way of us recognizing um, the, the communications from our loved ones in spirit. So, I mean, I think that when we're talking about after-death communications, that not coming through a medium, but just trying to come through us, like you said, like through smells or, you know, even through dreams. You know, I mean, if we've had a, a dream visitation where you've had this really vivid dream and they, and they came to us and we wake up in the morning, someone with a lot of skepticism, and I know because I was there, um, would just were, yeah. would just write it off, you know, and 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 not gain from the amazing benefit that that can that can bring to comfort our grief, uh, and so, you know, what role does you know skepticism play in not being able to recognize these after death communications? It's huge, isn't it? It's huge because you're blocking. You're actually blocking the energy from happening. I just recently did a, a television show called Beyond Belief, and I did it for Nightline people. And it was pretty amazing how the skeptics, um, well, I, I only did it because the, the producer promised me that they would show things exactly as they appeared. Ah. Well, stupid me, uh, duh, didn't happen that way because they have their agenda. So I would never do a television show again where they have, where they can edit it. Ah. I would only do live television shows because we filmed for 12 hours. And the information that came through, um, they cut. They didn't show it. Did not even show it. But they created it the way they want to create it, and they made it a skeptical, cynical point of view. And it's a shame because you know television. So it's the greatest teacher we have. Yeah. And I think that skepticism comes a lot from fear. I think it's fear based. Right. And I think a lot of skeptics. I've been a skeptic for a long time, and and I'm not anymore because it came a point where I could not. I, I had to acknowledge what was coming through. Yeah. Um, I, but I find a lot of people who are skeptics are, are, are fearful of what of the unknown. They're fearful of things. And a lot of people I feel too, if they realize that this is real, mm -hmm. that these things are real, wow, they got to rethink their whole world. It changes mm -hmm. their paradigm. And many people don't want to change their paradigm. They're so happy to be in that little comfort zone that anything that's challenging or threatening to that paradigm that they've already set up they don't want to deal with it, especially when I bring through and other people bring through that you as a human being are responsible for your thoughts, your words, your deeds. What you give out, you are responsible for. And when you pass over, there's a life review. And you got to review all the good, the bad, and the different things that you did. A lot of these people don't want to go near that. So it's easier for them, and instead of taking responsibility, to you know, negate things, to negate the truth of certain things and make it be cynics and skeptics about it. Well, you're right. Uh, I know that my own skepticism was based on a fear of being ripped off and a fear of being made the fool. And I thought, I wrote an article once and I, I, I got thinking back, you know, like, no wonder I, I, I feared being made the fool. When you think about 
uh, the Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, you know, all of a sudden you're going to school talking about, you know, you just got a dollar from the Tooth Fairy, and half the kids are laughing at you because they, they found out long before you did. <laughs> and, and you go through this humiliation as mm -hmm. a child, and eventually, if that happens enough, or, or if it's traumatic enough, you become what I was, was this skeptic who was like, I am never going to be made the fool again. I'm not going to believe in trust. And, and, and who was telling me about these things? The people I trusted the most in life, my parents. Right, you know? right, right. And they're right. the ones who lied to me. So if they're going to lie to me, you know, I can't trust anybody anymore, right? Exactly. So exactly. Become, and then what happens is exactly what you said. Then what happens is we grow up to be adults, and now we have this sort of fear, these fears, and we start to explore spirituality. We might explore the afterlife, mediumship, and then we watch a television show where it's this unbiased journalism, you know, and we think, oh, well, the media, you know, we got to trust the media. The media. Got to trust the media. Oh, yeah, got to trust the media. They sure. wouldn't throw us off, right? And. And then, and so then what they, what they do is they just, they slant it all one way and they, yeah. they film things like you were just describing. They actually filmed some amazing evidence, what I could have at least seen as evidence of the afterlife. And then uh, they, if they had just allowed me to choose for myself, but instead if they, Bob, if, let me interrupt you, if, if I let the cameraman, the sound man talk about it, yeah. it'd be a whole different show because they know what they saw. Yeah. So it really burns you when you work really hard with spirit and, and the people in the audience and the people in the audience are getting ripped off too. I remember there was one we did at this, this uh, Beyond Belief thing and um, a husband came to his wife and he said, the two of hearts, you love the two of hearts, you left me in Vegas at the table at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And she said, yes, I did. She was in the audience. Yes, I did. And he's telling me about the two of hearts club. You, you know, that's his card, the two of hearts. He goes, yes, yes, yes. He said you have it on you. She pulls it out of her pocket. Oh, and I turned the night line and said, take that night line, just as a joke, as a joke. Yeah. Well, when I saw the piece, they didn't show anything about the reading, but they had some, uh, they said he asked general questions, and then they showed me saying, take that night line. Oh, so like, yeah, How was that? Completely out of context. Yeah, so it's I guess like, distorted. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. That's sad. And so not only, so that's, that's when they're videotaping, you know, they're filming stuff, they can edit it, but then articles that are in the mag magazines and newspapers the same thing now oh, they interview you now they just they pretty much write up whatever they want talk about editing you know and it's the same thing some of them do a great job and they're very unbiased and they show they show the evidence but then they'll also maybe bring a skeptic in to hear his thoughts and that's fine that's fine i'm great with that i'm f everything is fair objective great yeah and I, I went to broadcasting school i have a degree in broadcasting and i remember it was very very pushed into our heads. You must be objective. You must be objective. You cannot be biased. And you had it like, it's almost like an, uh, a law about this if you're going to broadcasting. And now I see it and it's like everything's all over the place with reality television and they just do what they want to do and they mm. just like create these things which aren't even there. So, yeah, sad. And it's, it's, sad. it's sad for the public. It's sad for the people who are, who are grieving who could be really comforted by evidence of the afterlife. And, exactly. And, Help and, instead of hurt. Yeah, and it stops them in their path. So, you know, they see something like that and it stops them in their path and they don't even, they don't even investigate further uh, right. because they believe what they saw. Now, at the same time, we talk about this. So these are some of, the, some of the things that create skepticism and keep our skepticism going. Then there is, you know, I think that the field itself, the, the psychic and, and medium 
field itself is partly to blame. And oh. what do you think? I mean, don't you think oh, yeah. there's areas that we can sort of up the standards a little bit? You think? <laughs> um, where do we start, right? I Listen, I used to go around the country and I used to go to different places where they have mediumship. And I was appalled at the level and quality of mediumship, which they call mediumship, which I was like, I was appalled. Because um, I, I think that, you know, this is not mediumship. It's it's general questions. It's like, this is not, that's not what, we're, this is not what mediumship is. Yeah. And um, I, I've, you know, you, you, you listen, you have people's lives in your hands. And yeah. you, you have to be sensitive to that. It's like being a doctor. I mean, you got to be really careful and sensitive to the people you're working with. And I've found a lot of these, well, I, People, organizations, not all of them, but some of them are very low, low level quality. Yeah. And that's not right. That's no. not right. Now, so. and what are some of the, what are some of the pro either professional or ethical standards that, that, that you think every medium should, should sort of live by or work by? Number one, um, number one, if they're going to go into the profession of mediumship, they need to learn what mediumship is about. <laughs> and then, well, hello, I wouldn't operate on somebody unless I've gone to you know medical school. Yeah. Um, you need they need to learn how to properly develop, and whether that's dealing with two years of working with energy, two years of psychic protection, uh, two years of discerning between the spirits and information, spirit energy, and of, of your information. Uh, that's very very important. Um, uh, values and integrity, right up there. Yeah. Um, dealing with people, sensitivity to people, very important. You have to be able to put the time aside to develop properly and be patient about it. You know, nowadays people think you just take a pill and you're over something, you, you, you're done. Not true of mediumship. It is a process, process, process. I wouldn't really, I mean, people take a psychic class, they've done this with me, and, and they do a great job reading somebody. So it's like psychism. Yeah. And then they go on and start doing readings for people. I'm like, wait a minute, you're not ready yet. Yeah. You're not, you're not you're raw, you're not cooked. And uh, it's a shame. And I'm, I stopped teaching for many, many years because of that. For yeah. of that. And then Spirit said to me, well, it's not up to you, James, it's up to that individual. So, but you know, that's really what it's about. Um, if anyone wanted a reading um, and they're looking, how do you get a reading from someone? I know you talk about this a lot. You work with this a lot in your work. That um, number one, go with someone who's referred to you. That's why on your site, it's great to have your site for the referrals. Of course, I'm not on that page. I don't know why. Um, uh, no. Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> you are, actually. You're coming up very soon. I, I'm finishing the article. I had to wait just so the public knows. I don't add anybody to my personal recommend list unless I've had a reading from them or actually seen them live. And I had never seen you live before. And when I did, both well, That's a pretty funny story. It was, <laughs> it was in Massachusetts, and I was at Newburyport, right? Yeah, yeah. And you were in the audience, and it was a good night. We had a lot of great... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Bob comes running back in, and, and I first thing said, There, Bob, now that I pass your test. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I have to say, you gave a reading that night, and a little girl came through, and it... To this day, I'm not, I'm not uh, blowing smoke. Uh, it was the best reading I have ever seen, uh, especially from stage, but even a private reading. The details that, that that little girl conveyed to you were absolutely amazing. How her hair was done um, for her burial, what, what, her, 
what uh, dress she was wearing, something that was snuck into the coffin by one of the relatives, uh, a favorite T-shirt of hers, and what it said on there. I mean, the wow. t it just went on and on and on. It was amazing reading. The, the, and I, think, I don't remember it. Thank you, because I don't remember them. <laughs> oh, I wish it was recorded. Cause, and it was going so well that I think it, it had to go on for 15 minutes at least. It was just absolutely brilliant. And I was blown away that night and very excited about it. But it's that kind of mediumship that I, I want people to be able to experience. You have a lot of people on, on www.vanprague.com, V-A-N-P-R-A-A-G-H.com, that you recommend as well on your own website. So That's right. I, I'm like you in that you have to really test people. And I, I go through three levels of testing for anyone I have on my site. Yeah. And um, I've had many people say, I should be on your site. I've been doing this 20 years. And I'm like, well... Then you have to give me a reading. You have to give two other people readings. Yeah. And, uh, and some people refuse to. They say, oh, I'm better than that. Well, then fine. Bye-bye. Well, that's I it. I mean, and it's not how long they've been doing it because th there are people who uh, have been giving readings for 20 years, but they give two readings a week, you know, on the right. weekend, right. part-time. Right. And then you got other people who are giving 10 readings a, a week, and, and they're just not – they don't have the same experience. You know, right. 20 years at 10 readings a week, 20 years at two a month, you know, I mean, they just don't compare. Yeah, it's very true. So, it's you know, people shouldn't be fooled by how long someone has been in there. Um, yes. Well, just to wrap up a little, going back to our loved ones trying to communicate with us in spirit, uh, some of the things that people can do on their own, obviously we can go see a medium, and it's important uh, that they choose a, a, a credible and experienced one, but... What are some of the things that you might recommend that people can try to do to sort of maybe connect connect on their own? Sure. Um, and, um, one technique which, which works very, very well is um, I tell the person to go in, in a quiet space, um, write a letter to your loved one. Write a letter to your loved one and put everything out of that piece of paper or everything that's in your, in your heart. Just lay it out there. Fold up the letter, put it in an envelope, put their name on it, and put it in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. And then mark on your calendar two weeks later to come back at a certain time and sit down and another piece of paper and now I want you to write from their point of view, from the spirit coming through to you and just open up your mind and let them write. Just start writing a message from them to you. Oh. It works every time. Oh, yeah? that's beautiful. Another way they can do is, um, because you don't need a medium, you can be a medium yourself, really. Yeah. Um, before you go to sleep at night, you can ask them to appear in your dream state. Mm. Say, please come in my dream state. It might not happen that night. It might mm. not happen for a week. It might not happen for a month, but it will happen. But just put it out there. Don't try to control it. Just put it out there and let it be. And the third thing I would say is to start meditation. Mm. Go within and begin to meditate and quiet the mind down. Because as spirits come through to you, they come through in very subtle signs, very subtle whispers, very subtle ways methods and so you want to be able to be in that space of sensitivity mm -hmm. in order to be able to hear them and feel them and even see them mm -hmm. so the more you meditate the more you sensitize yourself the easier it will be to receive oh that i mean that's beautiful I, a couple questions about that well first of all um is you talked about dreams you know i've heard people say you know my loved one came to my sister in a dream but hasn't come to me and yep. they're upset about that why might yep. that why might something like that happen because we have to remember that we're all electromagnetic energy we're all made up this way electrically and um, what we think is created and um, there are some people who try too hard 
They try way too hard. Oh, Johnny, come through to me, come through to me, come through to me, come through to me. And, and they're trying so hard that it actually what it does is blocks. It blocks the atmosphere oh. around the mind. It'll block it. So they can't get through as easily. But the sister, who's not even thinking about it, it's just one thought, uh, they can get through easily that way. Um, it's the same thing in an audience. When I have an audience and I'm, I, I, inevitably I say to the audience, you know, if I have a husband and wife here, um, I always give the message. The message will always be given to the husband who didn't believe in this, that was dragged here by the wife. He'll always get the message, somebody coming through to him. <laughs> Why is that? He doesn't even believe in this sort of thing. Yeah. That's just it. He's not trying to control the situation. Yeah. He's not trying to pull, push the energy or pull the energy toward him. He's being very neutral, so it's easier for spirit to get through. So that's really what you want to do is you want to be very, very neutral. Uh, interesting. So there's a big difference between needing and wanting um, a message from someone, huh? There's different energies, apparently, from that. Different and, and then, and, and then it happens. And, and surrendering, just surrendering to... Surrender, great yeah. one, surrendering. Uh, that's great. Um, but so meditation, I mean, it, has anybody ever, you know, created a habit of meditation and then all of a sudden found they started maybe hearing loved ones communicating to them? <laughs> yeah, okay. I was thinking more on the, you know... <laughs> all right, so is that... <laughs> Well, I teach I in my forget. classes. I teach in my classes meditation every day because even in my work when I first started doing this work and I didn't even know I could see spirit or hear spirit until I started meditating. And the more I meditated, the more, and this was informal meditation, I didn't know anything about it. And once I started meditating, quieting down the mind, the chatter, yeah. um, uh, I started seeing and hearing and becoming much more sensitive to that energy that was around me. Hmm. So but the more someone meditates, the easier it is to, sure, to see and hear them and be sensitive to them, for sure. A secret in meditation, which a lot of people don't know, is when a lot of people hesitate meditating because they think, oh, that chatter in my mind, I'm not going to be able to turn it off, I'm not going to be able to turn it off. Fine. What you want to do is this. When you sit down and you're ready to meditate, make sure it's in a space which is quiet if you can, um, from the outside noises and give yourself that time. Put it, you know, turn off phones and all the rest of it. And you want to be open and surrender, like you say, surrender to what you receive. It is normal for you to sit there and think, okay, mm, okay, what am I going to have for food tonight? Oh boy, I, I, I wish that neighbor would stop mowing their lawn. Oh boy, that dog is barking. Normal, normal things. What happens is if you realize that you're going to have those, those, those chattering, that you will hear that noise, don't judge it. Just let it be okay. It's like it's like being in a lake in a boat. You're going to hit a rock or you're going to hit a certain current. Fine, you're still going to float. If you take away judgment and you neutralize it, you'll go deeper. Yeah. So when you don't judge, and this is true not only meditation but of life, when you don't judge something, you're not putting energy on it. Yeah. So you can have the, oh, there's a dog barking. Okay, acknowledge the dog is barking. That's fine. And then move on. Oh. Okay, I hear that. That's okay. Moving on. No problem. Yeah. Don't judge it. Don't sit there saying, oh, I wish it would stop. Just realize that's the way it is. Whenever I do meditation in seminars, I will always start off with a group of saying, okay, breathe in, breathe out. And you might hear the sound of my voice. You'll be hearing that. Hear the music behind. Mm. Any outside noises, you know, like the kitchen is behind me, the hotel, and then brag, you know, they're throwing around <laughs> the dishes. Any outside noises, don't distract you. Just make you go deeper. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's okay. It makes you go further and further and brings you right back to center. It brings you right back to center. And it works. Yeah. As long as you don't put the judgment on it, it works. That, that's great. Do you, uh, I know you have, a, you have an online course where people can learn about meditation on there. Several. Uh, Several, Bob. You also have, and this is on your website, vanprog.com, you also have um, at least one book. I mean, I know you have a book on meditation. You do. 
How many books do you have, actually? I have I have a book solely on meditation. It's called yeah. Meditations. Okay. It's called Meditation. Yeah, well, that was a good title. Give you them, Bob. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I think book, it's important. I have a book on meditations. I think it's, it's important. Book, it's a good book. It's a great book. Do you one. do you sell like audio of, of guided meditations or anything like that? Yes, yes, on my website on the store page. Okay, because that's that's a good way to start, is it? Is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best way is through meditation, for sure, definitely. You got that's the that's the the way to start. It's but, through meditation. Yeah, but I'm I mean, getting the habit of that, the discipline of that. But I mean, even with guided meditation, like people, you know, because to me, it's a lot easier if I'm listening to someone guide me through meditation. Do you recommend that over? Yes, you do. Well, yeah, very much so. Some people need that guidance. Some yeah. people need someone else to help them walk them through it, which is fine. I do that in my my meditations. I do that with people. Yeah. it does help them because it, it alleviates them trying to control it, and it lets them have the space to go off and have their own journey. They don't have to, they can get out of that left brain. They can yeah. completely surrender to the right brain so they receive the information even that much more. So yeah, guided meditation I think is definitely the best. No doubt about it. And I have them on my website. Okay, that's great. And again, uh, uh, .com, Van It's a hard com. name to, that's a very difficult name. It's karmic, I think. It's something in the past life yeah, deserves. I know. Name that misspelled, misspelled all the time. So. I'm sure it is. P R A A G H. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, well, I think we've covered a lot of ground here, and I, I think it's going to be very helpful to people. I do recommend that they go to your website. Just for the meditation stuff, there's also an online course for intuition. And I yes. love the one about life after loss. What's that, what's that course it's, about? It's, it's right. It's based on my book, Healing Grief, the third book I wrote. And it's really for anyone who is dealing with loss of all different types, not only death. But loss of a job, loss of a marriage, loss of, of age, <laughs> loss of, um, you know, loss in itself. Yeah. There's so many components and people are affected by that in so many ways and it affects your stress level so many ways. So the, the book and the online course about life after loss really has been beneficial for people going through those situations in life. So I would urge people to try that one as well. Okay. James, thank you once again. I appreciate you coming back. It's always a pleasure. I always Thanks, learn so Bob. much myself, and I know the public is as well. So thank you so much. Anytime, Bob. Thank All you. All right, James. Take care now. Yeah. Bye. Bye.